0: This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000.
1: That delayed the Cubs game last night, a mere two hours and forty-five minutes. One that saw the Cubs get shut out by the Cleveland Guardians six to nothing, has spilled right on into Sunday morning here, and looks like uh, it may be impacting the NASCAR race that will be live in the city. The first street race for NASCAR, the Grant Park 220, which is set to go off at 4:30. We'll keep an eye on that one. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Brian Hanley. And, um, yeah, it was a rainy, wet night that pushed the Cubs game back a mere just shy of three hours. And the Cubs clearly uh, didn't want to play last night. And, of course, the White Sox in Oakland jumped out to an early lead. But, boy, oh, boy, things are going awry for the Southsiders because when you have lost a series to the A's before you even get to the final game of the series, you have yourself some problems. Bri, boy, it's, uh, it's rainy downtown here in Chicago. And, uh, you know, we'll see if that impacts the start of the NASCAR race today, but, uh, start out, starting out with the baseball teams. Oh, boy, know, woeful Saturday.
2: First of all, my lighter is still, uh, not working from the chain smokers on Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, it was, uh, That was a great set, though. That was a great concert. Um, So far, so good for NASCAR. Yeah, and so far, so good for the White Sox. And uh, Game of inches is what that baseball is there, Jeff. um, Boy, oh boy, T.A. And God bless Pedro Grafal. Sox fans don't really think so. But he's uh, sticking with his guy, even though all the numbers say he shouldn't be batting second, maybe shouldn't even be in the lineup. And he's just inches away from a grand slam. And next thing you know, he's flying out. Next thing you know, as you said, they're dropping a series to the worst team in baseball. Not just this year, but you have to go back a ways, I think, to see how bad this A's team is going to be.
1: Yeah, historically bad uh, yeah. team that was uh, that uh, had the perfecto put on them by Domingo Herman earlier in the week. I think that was Wednesday, right? When uh, yep. he he hit the perfect game on them. So uh, clearly, they're you know, and they're and they're just it, not only are they a horrible team, Bry they are a team that knows that they have no future in the city that they currently reside. And so it's just for them going to the ballpark day in and day out is its own beast that they're dealing with. And you would think that teams should have an opportunity to take advantage of that. And the white Sox, you know, continue to be woeful. They now are 13 games under 500 on the season. And, um, you know, we last week were talking about which players could potentially be on the move at the trade deadline for the white Sox, And could they, Fool themselves into thinking that they should push forward and try and win this terrible division that they're in, but man, I don't know at this point, like is you you don't even need to fool yourself into thinking you're a contender because when you can't even compete with the oakland as we got we got bigger problems on, on the south
2: side What do you do with Tim Anderson and, and if he's not healthy shoulder knee i don't know if that's excuse making uh, I, I you know I know. You just can't. You can't look at the numbers and say, "This is going to just turn around." I know, I know. You know. That's how many times we hear that last year. Oh, once, once he just gets. You know, name the guy last year. Once that bat connects on one, they'll come. You know, it'll be a two-week hitting streak, and everything will be fine. And of course, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And these numbers. I mean, John Greenberg of the Athletic compared him to Adam Dunn, who actually had better numbers at this point. I mean, he's having an Adam Dunn type season from 2011, when people couldn't wait—you know—wait for Dunn to get out of town and get out of the Sox uniform. And here's a guy, a couple-time All-Star, 300 career hitter, not—not not in the last year. No power. Nick yeah. Madrigal has one home run, and Ta's going on to his first yeah. anniversary. And again, yesterday, almost grand slam, but almost doesn't get it done. It's. It, it's beyond me. It's just it, Sox fans have to be so frustrated to think how does this how does this get better? I mean, how does it get better? I, I don't understand it.
1: No, if you're asking a question that I don't have a really strong answer for, right? Because this was supposed to be the window for them competing for championships. They reset the entire roster when they traded Chris Sale, when they traded Adam Eaton, when they traded Jose Quintana to add the young players who are now in their prime, or at least should be in their prime, or they are in their prime, but they're not good enough, you know, with what they're surrounded by. Outside of Luis Robert, the entire roster, I mean, you know, and Eloy still, Aloy's. I think you've seen the warts with him. He just can't seem to put together a full season. And Tim Anderson, you know, at this point, you know, he is, he has a team option next season for, I believe, $12.5 million. Heading into the year, you would have said that that's a no-brainer. Of course, the White Sox are going to pick that up. At this point, though, it, you know, and, and they may still do it, well, Brian. Yeah. But the reality is, like, depending on how the second half of the season goes, I think you could make an argument that it probably won't be in your best interest to pick up that option. I don't think they can trade Tim Anderson at the trade deadline. I who's going to give you anything for what he's what, produced?
2: Okay, two hundred and fifty-seven plate appearances he's slashing 226 267 263 again going on a full year without a home run in and out with injuries fielding not so good uh, that is a great question you just posed now we as objective observers of this would say you could certainly make an argument that you just you'd be done with it and and yet this is the same ownership that doubles down on the Bulls continuity for no apparent reason, and we'll get to, yes. Joe Colly will help us sort through that, because AK told us, "Hey, judge us after free agency. You know, we we got another way to to improve this team. It's we'll not over yet, Bry. Today oh, okay. yeah. is
1: not done yet. Yeah,
2: I know. I went through. I I don't know why I did this to myself. I spent about a half hour early this morning going through the remaining free agents, <laughs> and, and trying <laughs> to wow myself with did the possibility. Did they move the needle for you? No, I mean really, this stuff's done in the first twenty-four yes. hours, let alone forty-eight hours, and it's really done a week before it's official. So yeah, Javon there, Carter's
1: going to save the Bulls.
2: I mean, really? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Thanks. Can I judge it now, or do I need to wait a few more days?
1: He always knew he had Javon Carter in his back pocket. That's why he said, "Just wait." Hey,
2: hey, if 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 Damian Lillard ends up here, all is forgiven, and I'm sure. the biggest dope in the world. Yes, but apparently. He's not, the Bulls aren't on his wish list. And and, and Portland says, we're going to do what's best for the Trailblazers. Okay. But <laughs> you still got the Heat, the Sixers, I don't know, the Knicks, whomever else. And the, the Bulls not, when do the Bulls become so irrelevant that, that no, I mean, we we talked about how it's not a free agent destination. Sorry, Juma. Um and, and now it's like, they're not even a conversation for really a, a franchise changing player. But that being said, back they, to they're going
1: to test that. They're going to test yeah. that uh, theory which, and see how which, long until they become irrelevant.
2: Which Reinsdorf team, you know, the Bulls doubling down on mediocrity. I, I would, I'm would. i with you. You can make the argument. I'd love to hear from Sox fans. Well, you know, Would you automatically pick up the $12.5 million and hope for better from T.A. next year? Or, I mean, is that even a question for Rick Hahn and Kenny and Jerry? Or are they just, you know, well, he's our guy. And the record says we're a much better team with him than without him. So, of course, we're going to pick it up and hope for better because last year they changed the manager, hope for better, and here we sit.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know at this point. And, you know, I don't know if an extended stint on the injured list would do Tim Anderson good till, until after the All-Star break, right? Like, you mentioned sure. the shoulder that had him playing second base last week, uh, the knee injury that still still seems to be an issue, the off-the-field issues that he openly talked about a few weeks back. He is a mess. He is really not, and and he's a, to the point. He's a, all those bad stats you laid out. He's a negative WAR player. He's minus oh. one point four. I mean, like he is actively is hurting yes. your roster. You know, you, I mean, I don't know if Zach Remillard's a, a replacement level player, but like right now, he's off to a decent start. Hey, Zach he Remillard, gets on base anyway. Exactly. He's one. I mean, and listen, I'm I'm not saying he's by any means the answer to the White Sox woes, but at this, I don't know. They, they, you look up and down the lineup; it's the same issues, and in and Tim Anderson still hitting second. Yeah, if he's going to be in the lineup, he probably should be near the bottom of the order at this point. There's no reason to let him just uh, keep making outs in fu- in front of Luis Robert. Really, the only you know bright spot on your roster these days, um, you know, and Dylan Cease, you know, he still continues to be perplexing. Can't get key outs when you would hope that you're the guy coming into the season who is classified as her ace because of his you know runner-up Cy Young season last sure. year he's found a way to put this White Sox stink all over him so I, I don't know it is frustrating and you know heading into this series I'm trying to who was it uh I met have been Waddle on Friday someone was saying though like this is a series you have no maybe it was Abdallah this is a series you have to sweep right and it's like no, oh, yeah. you know, of, like in baseball, you can, I don't think you can ever really assume a sweep, even if you're going into a bad series, but I think it's not too much to ask to take a series from the A's. That should be the bare minimum, right? And I, I, you, at this point, you know, Lucas Giolito, he can start packing up his bags, I think, because there's no reason, I don't know what they can do. We're heading near the All-Star break. The All-Star reserves will be announced later today at 4.30, right when the NASCAR race is set to start. And, you know... You're, the All Star Game is right around the corner. You know, sure, it's not the trade deadline, but if you can't take stock and assess that where you're at right now is no man's land, like shame on the White Sox and the front office if they don't recognize that at this point.
2: Yeah, and and, and you know, I mean, ta is fifty three percent worse when weighted runs created. Mm-hmm. You know, one hundred being the league average, obviously. And he is fifty three percent than an average big league league hitter. So shoulder, knee, between the ears, all the above. I, 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 I'm with you. I, I, I mean, I. If I was the if I was the White Sox brain trust, I think I don't think I can afford to keep putting him out there anywhere in the lineup right now and hope that he starts punching his way out of this thing. I think he just needs a sustained, uh, you know, personal time off, mental clear everything, and come back after the All Star break. But What we think should be done and what might be the realistic or or, uh, things you should do, usually that's not how it operates on the south side.
1: The uh, White Sox conclude their series with the Oakland Athletics in Oakland today. First pitch is at 3.07. We'll have your pregame coverage starting at 2.30 today. Paul Blackburn will be on the mound for the A's. As for the White Sox, I cannot tell you they do not have a starting pitcher listed because Michael Kopech... Is uh, in his midseason form where he takes a little hiatus and they need to rest him up, and that's also another discipline. Right? You know, like at every turn, when you try and find some type of optimism about this team, it just comes apart at the seams. You know, Michael Kopech had had a brief stint in May when he was. You started to say, "Oh, is he really unlocking his potential here? Has he finally figured it out?" Only to completely fall apart. And now we're back to can Michael Kopech really be a starting pitcher in your rotation that you can bank on for 150 innings, right? And it's this is not the era of give me 200 innings. It's you, all you ask from, from a man in your starting rotation now is 150 innings pitched. Yeah. Anything more? And yeah, like, sure, some guys might, they might tickle 200 if they're amongst the league leaders, but, you know, and maybe your ace who is healthy can get you 160, 170 innings. In this day and age in baseball, it's getting me 150 innings as a starting pitcher, yep. and Michael Kopeck needs to be managed before we've even hit July.
2: Because the John Lester mindset that I'm going to get at least 200 innings is is old school, mm-hmm. and no manager is going to be on the hook for a guy who's like 190 innings, and Oop, there goes Tommy John surgery, and he's like trying to explain to the front office what happened. And a lot of times the front office doesn't even let the manager get to that point. They tell him how you're managing uh, the, the innings. Not that things are rosy on the north side either. I've never, I'm trying to remember a streaky Cubs season as this one, where oh boy, things are really looking up. Oh boy, there's another six game losing streak. Um, you know, was it still jet lag from London? <laughs> just and and last time we spoke on Sunday uh, a week ago, Marcus Stroman was leaving with a, a blister, mm-hmm. and yesterday he was just leaving because of five runs in five and two thirds. So it's. Um, I, and yet, both divisions are, are crying for you to be a part of this thing. And, I, you know, five games out for the Cubs, is anyone really sitting there making their postseason plans and, and clearing the calendar for, for a playoff series with the Cubs?
1: I would not think so. That would probably be a bit optimistic. He's Brian Hanley. I'm Jeff Miller. As Brian mentioned, Joe Colley's going to hop on with us right around nine 930, We're going to talk some Bulls and what the path forward for them is. Uh, we, we gave AK a chance to go ahead and Wow us with his free agent acquisitions and um, consider me underwhelmed, um, so we 'll talk with Joe Cowley at nine thirty five Mark Lazarus is going to join us at ten o 'clock. He will talk about the only team that you can maybe have optimism surrounding in the city and unfortunately, that is probably still a few years away from actual winning hockey on the ice but he 'll talk with us at ten because of the newest edition. Connor Bedard, who was drafted by the Blackhawks on Thursday night. And of course, we'll talk Cubs and Sox with you and maybe just maybe talk a little bit too about the NASCAR, the first NASCAR street race that is going to be occurring in the city today amongst a rainy day it looks like uh puddling all around us here <laughs> inside the uh, state street studio it is nasty outside so uh we'll keep you abreast of that situation as well 312-332-3776 if you want to join in on the fun i'm jeff Miller. he's brian hanley this is espn 1000
2: follow
0: chicago's home for sports on twitter at espn 1000 this is chicago's home for sports espn chicago
1: Brian Hanley hanging out with you here on Sunday morning until 11 o'clock. It is a rainy one. It has continued from yesterday. The rain that delayed the Cubs game is back again with uh, coming down pretty hard right now. I did text Tracy Butler this morning, Brian, just to get uh, a little bit of an update regarding what we might expect for those who will be in attendance for NASCAR's first Chicago, or for, their, for their first street race happening here in the city of Chicago, the Grant Park 220. And Tracy said it looks like the early events like the Xfinity race could be in jeopardy. They may have to scramble to get some of the excessive ponding off the track. Should be able to run at 4.30. She also noted uh, today is the uh, happy 86th birthday to the greatest of all time, Richard Petty. So that's from Tracy Butler. Wow. A little update uh, for folks who will be in attendance. Yeah, this is... You get to avoid, I guess, uh, a sweltering hot day in, this, in the grandstands if you're heading out downtown. But, um, yeah, you're going to have to pack a raincoat. Cause it's, and, uh, and
2: I think I saw where they actually moved the race up to 4 o'clock. Oh, did they bump uh, it up? Like, okay. Yeah. But speaking of the heat, do you see the the Joey Logano quotes? I did not. And so he, he's talking about how the car is like an oven. <laughs> and uh, because he's not a big fan of the mufflers that they were using to tamp down the noise. Mm-hmm. And um, you know some of these guys have like five fans in their <laughs> in the their, their car. You know, trained on. them trying to cool it off. Yeah. But he said it's, he said it's brutal, and he said I don't know what else to say about it. It's horrible. It's a horrible job driving with them. It's miserable, and you know, so far <laughs> hasn't gone off without a hitch. Yeah, I'll say that. Um, hopefully, they get the r- race in, and I, you know, all the great skyline views that uh, the the people who envision this. Mm-hmm thought we we're going to sell Chicago. It, the good news is that the people I saw quoted in, in the Tribune sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, out-of-town visitors, they all love the city. And, you know, the city needs some love right now. So they're all saying, you know, they came as far from New Zealand as and, and certainly from the States, and they're like, oh, no, it's a great place to visit, and they're so glad they're here. So hopefully they get at least the main event in today, and um, it it goes off, you know, better, and it's competitive race, and and you
1: know, guys don't get cooked in the cockpit. So. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I, um, I'll admit, I'm not by any means. I'm I'd I'm, barely call me call myself a casual NASCAR fan, right? But what I'll say is that I have the it has captured my imagination. I have watched uh, a few videos of what the course, you know, the the course layout um, downtown, and just what to expect. And as somebody who basically drives drives that track five days a week to and from work you know i'm I'm very intrigued and i'll tell you that my plan was to uh, pop that on and i i wouldn't be surprised at all if i end up watching more nascar than i usually do or may ever have in the past just because of the as you mentioned the the uh, novelty of it being a you know a street car race and actually being here in chicago which uh, I'm intimately familiar with the you know everything that they're going to be driving on, so I, I'm intrigued by it, and I'm sure a lot of Chicagoans are. But yeah, this this rain, man, it's not going to make for uh, for the event they envision by any means. I can't imagine. Well, I
2: guess I guess the turn from um, Lakeshore Drive to South Lakeshore Drive, if I want to be correct, onto uh, Roosevelt Road. Mm-hmm. That that's where you know because you're. Lakeshore Drive is where you can really get some speed going, yep. and then you have to make a right, like a 90 degree turn. And that, apparently, that's pretty brutal. And then they say it goes from really nice new asphalt to cracked yes. asphalt and, and bad infrastructure. And they're like, a number of drivers said this we've never been well because they've never done a street race before in nascar right course, so they're like yeah. you go you go from super smooth and and flying to oh my gosh i'm going to hit a pothole that anyone who lives it, in chicago knows how that goes so uh, it, it could be very interesting but yeah i'm going to watch because yeah. it's it's a first and i hope the city looks as good as they hope it uh hope it does and and it, it all comes off we got another two years of this right so we'll see, see yeah how i
1: mean We'll see, you know, we'll see how it goes, right? Like they're under contract, but you also wonder too, there, you know, I know it's not, it doesn't, there's outs for the city. So I don't know what, we'll see what it actually, how it ends up going, you know, and I think. I
2: think the outs are for NASCAR and the city, you know, God bless uh, Lori Lightfoot. Um, She did this pretty much on her own without city council, uh, even in, in aware of it until they were signing the contract, but the actual money that the city's getting, it's not exactly Lollapalooza money. No. Yeah. yeah. You have have to close down everything a lot longer than even Lollapalooza. So, you know, don't thought it was a good idea. Hopefully it turns out to be a better idea than I thought it would be, but I'll be watching. It'll be interesting.
1: 312-332-3776. If you want to jump in, Will is in South Holland, wants to join the conversation. What's going on, Will? You're on with Miller and Hanley.
0: Hey, how you guys doing? Um, so I just want to bring up this point. I think Chicago fans, in general, and listen, I've been born and raised in Chicago, but I think Chicago sports fans have this delusion that the city is more attractive to millionaire athletes than it actually is. And I bring, I tie this to the White Sox. I think the biggest disappointment is Sox fans. Us as Sox fans had our expectations way too high. We saw what this roster was last season, 500 team. So, I mean, I didn't see anything that they did in the offseason that would make this team a better team. <laughs> Coming into this year, Cleveland had the best top-to-bottom roster in the division. And I thought the Sox and Twins were about neck-and-neck neck for second. So, the Sox struggles this year don't surprise me the least, the least bit.
1: Listen, I mean, I will. It's fair. Like they, they really didn't do anything to make any substantial changes. Andrew Benintendi, you know, your record-setting contract, which is still well below the rest of baseball. Like any other baseball team who is not your absolute, you know, smallest of small markets, would have called Andrew Benintendi just an, you know. Uh, A a nice piece that you're adding to your roster, not the all of a sudden, hey, we're we're breaking records signing him to a $75 million contract. And again, a guy who has very little power as well. So it's fair. Well, like they I I think we were sold a little bit that Pedro Grafal was going to get more out of this roster. But I think this also goes to show you a little bit of, hey, baseball managers, eh, you know what? They only do so much, right? Like they can help you on the margins, but if your big off-season, you know, change is going to be a new voice inside the clubhouse that's going to change everything, if you're not doing, if you're not doing anything to address some of the holes on your roster, then you're probably you're probably kidding yourself.
2: Well, and, and here's you know when they hired Pedro and said goodbye to Tony, and and you know we all know how Tony arrived here in the first place because the owner wanted to make amends from decades ago. It, it was all about accountability it was going to be a work ethic we didn't see we were gonna it was going to improve everything because we're coming to work every day and you know pulling on the same uh end of the rope and you know name a cliche and then this week i'm reading is there enough leadership in the clubhouse it's stuff we read <laughs> at the end of last season mm-hmm. i mean and and you know who are your leaders oh we have enough or oh, you know it could be better and a week or so ago or Oh, two weeks ago, um, tomorrow, Rick Khan said none of this is on the desk of Pedro Grafal or his uh, coaching staff. So you sold me that everything was going to change because the manager was going to bring in a new standard of accountability and work ethic and and bring it every day. And then two weeks ago, you're telling me all the failures and all the numbers that are similar to what we witnessed in the last year have nothing to do with the new manager. Which is it? Pick a lane if mm-hmm. we're talking about races.
1: No, it's, it's a great point. And uh, back to the races. John in Kankakee wants to ask about the NASCAR race today. What's going on, John? You're on with Mellor and Hanley.
3: Hey, quick question. So as far as I know, all road races, NASCAR, they run running with rain tires mm-hmm. and windshield wipers. So why is the race being possibly canceled or
1: postponed? Well, I, there's no talk of it being canceled or postponed yet. It's just, uh, as Brian mentioned, they've moved, it up, moved up the start time to 4 o'clock.
2: I think they they ha- they would run it tomorrow if, if they get washed out today. But no one's suggesting, like yeah. Tracy said, that they'll get it in. The, part of the safety issue is if you're on a track, you have you can just run into the infield, right? There, there's like escape routes. Yes, you're just running into walls here. There, yeah. there's no there's no off ramps. There, you know there there's no you're in trouble. I mean, it's a tight, very tight uh, track. And because it's a city, there's just no there are safety issues. So it's it it's yeah. if you start losing control of your car, you just don't end up in grass. You end up somewhere else.
1: Yeah. So it's 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 everything of it being a first time. You know, for the NASCAR racers to do a street car race, and then also at least in NASCAR, and then of course, obviously, the first time it's actually taking place in Chicago. You know, you never know quite. Even though hopefully you've done enough planning until you actually get out there and see some of the issues that you may not have anticipated. So I think they're doing everything they can to try and pull it off in the best possible manner. But again, um, I don't think this is at all what they were hoping for when uh, you talked about possible weather in Chicago for your first uh, NASCAR street race. So we'll see, though. It adds a little bit more intrigue to what was already going to be an intriguing day in the city of Chicago. He's Brian Hanley. I'm Jeff Meller. Up next, we will put the Bulls under the microscope after free agency is underway and for the most part all the key players have found new homes if they were planning on leaving and um nobody jumps off the page for bulls fans at least i don't think so javon carter is he going to be a true difference maker we'll ask joe cowley who covers the bulls for the chicago sun
3: times next here on espn 1000
0: Listen to us now, live on the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago.
1: We're Bulls fans trying to lose themselves in a fantasy land when Artur Karnaschovas told them, hey, you're disappointed about the lack of movement on draft night.
3: Whoa, 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 whoa! Not so fast. Well, I think we made a move in the draft. Uh, I know it's a disappointment; it's not in the first round, but uh, we did. Uh, but they will have to wait until I think until the free agency and to see what we look like uh, after that. It is July 2nd.
1: The vast majority of big names in free agency have come and gone. Fred Van Vliet, even though I don't know how realistic that was, was a name that some Bulls fans had maybe talked themselves into. He ends up signing a big deal with the Houston Rockets, so he leaves Toronto, but he will not be coming to Chicago. And the Chicago Bulls' big move is to add Javon Carter to the roster and retain Kobe White and Nikola Vucevic. And to tell us if this is going to be a difference maker, Brian Hanley, on the line right now with us, the CARX Tire and Auto Hotline is Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times. Does a great job covering the Bulls. He's seen it. He's done it. He's been covering them for a while now. Joe Cowley, is this anything different than we're used to, or is it just more of the same from the Chicago Bulls
3: organization? Continuity, baby. <laughs> no, oh. I mean, you know, look, Arturis is the one thing you, that you can say about Arturis since he's taken that, that seat is... Usually, what he says, he does, mm-hmm. and he kept telling us, you know, at the trade deadline last year that uh, he believed in that core um, by not by not moving off of Vooch. Um and then he continued to tell us that on draft night, and I think his actions continue to show that he's going to give this core uh, one more run. Now, the, the interesting thing will be: does that come at the trade deadline in February? Which is always tough in the East because you're always kind of lurking and hanging around for that play in, so you kind of be chasing that fool's gold again. Or is it something where he's going to wait till next off season, where then you you know Demar's contract is is expired, and um, so it, it, it's just tough. It's, it's they're in a tough situation. They put themselves in that tough situation, obviously with uh, when they when not only when they traded and got Vooch, but the Lonzo Ball thing is obviously the elephant in the room that no one could hide from. I mean, that injury has been a major setback to the blueprint and to the plans, Um, and to me, they didn't pivot quick enough off of it, so this is where where they've kind of painted themselves in that corner.
2: Amen, Joe. They didn't pivot, and they were actually talking it up as if he was a possibility for training camp, certainly then the start of the season, and now they've all but said he won't be available uh for throughout this season and he, will he play for the bulls again let alone in the nba and i i don't know this you know continuity baby is is confidence is it hubris is it stubbornness i really expected more from this front office and i said last week you know i was one of the the guys cheering for the Vooch deal because it was different and it seemed to make them relevant even though they were overpaying at the time and and now here we sit, at least they inked him to an extension because he, if, if he walked, what do you have to show for anything? And I just don't know, are you a middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team for a team that hasn't gone to the Eastern Conference Finals in, in what, 15 years? I mean, it's been forever.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, to your point, you know, the Vooch, the Vooch deal, I don't have a problem with the Vooch deal and, and acquiring Vooch because there was such a stain on this organization league-wide and I don't think Bulls fans recognize that. Nobody wanted to, no real coach wanted to come here. No real players wanted to come here. So by, and if if people recall at the beginning of the year, Orlando had its feet dug in the sand saying they were not trading Nikola Vucevic that year. So for them to get Vuce when they did was kind of a coup because no one really felt like Orlando would move off him. He wanted to stay there. He's such a popular player there. And, and their mindset was, well, if we can show we can get Vooch, who was basically deemed untouchable at the start of that season, and then we could go ahead and get DeMar. And then, you know, when DeMar came, then Lonzo wanted to play with him and Caruso wanted to come. So they felt like, look, we can make this a destination place. So on paper, it was a great idea. The problem I had is not only the ball injury, but I think behind private doors they knew that if they maxed Zach Levine they would be strapped and i I bet if you put them in a lie detector test they did it because that's what the market dictated not because they felt that was the right thing to do and now you're kind of stuck and 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 obviously that contract's going to look better in 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 a couple years but the time you will have wasted not to have moved off of zach before he reached that max contract i mean we all knew what he was and look he's a great scorer but he's a two B three A on a great team. Mm-hmm. He just is. I mean, you know, and to put that as the face of the organization, say, "Hey, look at this is our one A. Look at dunk contests, and look how easily he could score, and just the effort, he, the effortlessness he can play with." Um, I get all of that, but you also knew all the warts on that on that frog, and you knew exactly how much money you have to spend. To cover up those flaws, you'd have to have make sure you had good defensive guards around, and you had to make sure that you had playmakers, leadership. I mean, there's just so many flaws that come with him, um, and, and and so I think that was the big mistake in all of this. It wasn't Vooch. The idea of Vooch was a good idea, and unfortunately, Bulls fans want to blame Vooch for the for the shortcomings of this team. But to me, they're looking in the wrong spot.
1: I tend to agree with you there, Joe, especially because you look at the number that Vooch resigns signs with the at. And listen, that's perfectly manageable. Um, you know, three years for 60, that's not too bad at all to bring him back at that number. But to your point, like, I'm curious. Uh, I don't know how closely you've looked at it because it's going to be changing. And I know some NBA people who observe it are trying to get their head around the new CBA. Do you have any... Idea? Have you looked at how, how the Bulls can have some roster flexibility going forward with Zach and Vooch under contract and, you know, DeMar DeRozan at least for one more year?
3: Well, here's the issue. That new CBA is going to make it really tough to move big contracts. Mm-hmm. And the days of building the super team with three max guys is going to be really hard to do. So, you know, if you were going to move off of Zach and that big contract, you probably wanted to do it this offseason. Because you, not all of the league is starting to prepare for the CBA. Mm-hmm. Some are, some aren't, um, and you, you, you're seeing you're seeing teams kind of like I mean, Golden State's always kind of ahead of the curve. You know, everyone criticized the Jordan Poole thing. I mean, that was great because they've set themselves up to be flexible when the CBA does hit. Where Jordan Poole did not leave them flexible, um, and so you know you're seeing some teams prepare for it, some teams not prepare for it, but. If teams are smart and they're thinking ahead, Zach Levine's contract, although financially it looks better in two years, because of the CBA, it's going to be hard to move if you're trying to move off of it then. So, um, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be an interesting game of cat and mouse because I don't think teams fully understand what that second apron is going to mean and as far as how much it's going to handcuff you. I mean, you can't move off of your guys if you're in that second apron. So, um, And then you're talking about losing draft capital. I mean, it's really going to be interesting to see who's smart enough to prepare for it and who isn't. And that's why I was pretty um, – I wanted to see how they would handle it. And I thought moving off of Zach now would be them thinking, playing chess instead. I, I think they're still playing checkers.
2: And, you know, he's talking about the stupid money involved in this free agents round. I mean, you know, uh, Jeff just mentioned Van Vliet and what Houston paid him. And and it's just crazy money. And I retweeted a list of of 40 to $45 million per season players uh, yesterday. And Zach is the one that sticks out like a sore thumb in in terms of who really doesn't belong in that list. But you're right. They had the money, and he was the guy available to, to give the max money, too, so they took the easy path and did it. But it, it when you look at a team who's hasn't been in these Eastern Conference Finals in 25 years, not 15, um, mm-hmm. how do you climb this ladder to get back into relevance, and, and how many seasons are we talking about since you just said three max players under the new CBA is not going to be doable, and this has not been a destination team in forever, so – Where do you even find those types of players who want to be part of the Bulls?
3: Well, that's, I mean, that's the, the, the the million dollar question and they're in a rough spot. I mean, they've got their their first round draft pick next year. They don't have it 25. They didn't have it this year. And the next year's draft is supposed to be the weakest of of this one and the next three. So, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, they're just in a tough spot. They don't have draft capital. Um, The the big thing to me, and it can't be stressed enough, and it, I know people are tired of the same old song. Patrick Williams, who looks, and by all accounts, has been working his ass off this off season. Um, his body looks different. Uh, obviously, Demar Derozan, who is the, the true Batman and leader on that team, has had him out in Los has had Patrick Williams out in Los Angeles with Daylon Terry. There has to be a massive jump by Patrick Williams for this thing. To have any kind of legs moving forward it can't be passenger in the car anymore it's got to be a 20 and 10 guy this upcoming season it has to be if it's not it's got to be close to 20 and 10 it has to be more selfish it has to be more of you know zach and Demar and boots think it's their team no i'm the number four pick overall it's my damn team and so if he doesn't take that leash and run with it and 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 show those signs then I mean, then you're looking about how do you blow this thing entirely up. And that's even hard to do because you don't have the draft capital. So how do you acquire that draft capital? And the other guy, as as crazy as it sounds, Dalen Terry, you know, look, there's a lot of moments last year where he looked like kind of like that freshman that's thrown into a varsity game. And you're like, yeah, one of these things doesn't belong out here and it's him. Um, you know, he's got a funky shot. I've talked to Billy Donovan about that shot. It almost has that Joe Keem release where his hand kind of spins off, but the ball doesn't spin like it does with Joe Keem. It actually does go <clears throat> straight at the hoop, um, but it's just a matter of him just getting a feel of that. And so uh, I, I think they want to tweak it. I don't think they totally want to change the shot, but they definitely wanted to make tweaks to it this off-season. He has to take huge strides too. I mean, it's just that that's just the boat they're in. It has to be that second wave. Um, because this first wave, I don't think, is a championship wave.
1: A uh, quick follow up on Patrick Williams uh, as Joe Colley joins us here on ESPN 1000. What does an extension look like for him as they have to make a decision right before they actually see him become a 20 and 10 player at this
3: point? Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at that $4, one, 100 you know, $20, 25000000 a year. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the going rate right now for that class and for guys uh, coming out of that class. And That's why he has to show something. I mean, the last thing you want to do is, okay, we got this guy. He was really young. He's one of the younger players in the draft. COVID hit. He didn't get summer league. There were so many things he didn't get. But we don't believe in him. We're going to pass on him. And all of a sudden, now he explodes at age 23 when you gave up on him. That's the last thing you want to happen. So that's why this year is so big, because he has to show that he's worth the money and, and give him that comfort of giving him that contract. And also giving this organization that young wave of talent where, yeah, okay, this guy is a, a, a ripoff of Kawhi. He's a poor man's Kawhi. Do I want to play with him, a guy that, that's willing to do all the dirty work? Do I want to go there and be a, just a scorer? And, and that's what will attract guys around the league is, yeah, we've got that guy. We've got that, that 3D guy, and he has to become that.
2: You know, I, I I I'll leave you with this. Um, of all the surprising things I saw in the free agent period uh, yesterday and the day prior, I'm Jim Boylan going to the Pacers. I'm fading in Indiana uh, for the season, um, but you know, as an assistant, that's probably you know where he belongs. So God bless him.
3: Yeah, Indiana had a great uh, uh, free agency until they dumbed up the organization with that move. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's your Jim Boylan, not the guy I covered, who took over from Scott Skiles. Yeah, Jim Boylan.
3: Exactly. They'll uh, be doing a lot of push-ups. They can enjoy doing a lot of push-ups. That's, uh, <laughs> and burpees. That's, and whatever weird old things they'll be doing.
1: Clearly, we've hit our limit. on that was one Jim Boylan too many for the Bulls. Uh, Joe, as always, we appreciate your insights. Uh, you do a great job covering the Bulls for the Sun-Times. You, you always make us smarter. So thanks, man. Appreciate it.
3: Thanks, Joe. All right, you guys have a good day. You guys take care. That you is too.
1: Joe Cowley of the Chicago Sun-Times. Again, you can uh, follow him on Twitter. He's at jcowleyhoops on Twitter. And, uh, of course, read him in the Sun-Times. He joined us via the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. Up next, before we get into the Blackhawks and their brand-new face with Mark Lazarus at 10 o'clock, how about an unrecognizable man on the streets of Nashville who might start to get recognized the Blackhawks GM walked around anonymously. We'll share that with you next year on ESPN 1000.
0: This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN
3: Chicago. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000.
1: for the Chicago Blackhawks. In the city of Nashville, they drafted Connor Bedard, who I think Hawks fans, even casual Hawks fans at this point, have probably heard the name and at least become a little bit familiarized with the man who is tasked with leading this franchise back to glory as a 17-year-old. He'll turn 18 later this month, but um, a lot on his shoulders, Bry. and I found it amusing because... Nashville was hosting the draft and they have themselves a local blogger who goes, I believe his name is Alex Doherty, but he has a website called penalty box radio where they're mostly focused on blogging about the Nashville predators and also doing podcasts in regard to the predators and the predators are in the Blackhawks division, but uh, Alex Doherty decided to take to the streets and, you know, do the old man on the streets routine and ask folks walking down the street, hey, what do you know about hockey, right? And so sure enough, he uh, he saw a man with a Blackhawks, or at least it was a red shirt. I don't know if it was actually Blackhawks, but it was a red shirt on. Um, and he said, you know what, hey, you want to do a quick interview for me on uh, the video here and uh, we can see how much you actually know about hockey. And initially, this man declined, but then he was, as he was walking away, he was with a buddy and he... Uh, He consulted his buddy, and he said, you know what, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to actually do that interview. And so he proceeded to wait in line behind two other Blackhawk fans who were actually wearing Blackhawk jerseys. So he waited in line to get a turn to do this interview, and that's when this unfolded. Alex Doherty proceeded to do a man-on-the-street interview with the Blackhawks general manager, Kyle Davidson, and he did so unknowingly. What's your name and where are you from? Uh Kyle from Chicago? From Chicago, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a couple times, yeah. For a black hockey? Uh, yeah. Alright, on a scale of one to ten, one being not a lot and ten being a whole lot, how much would you say you know about hockey? Probably like I didn't I didn't play professionally or anything, so probably like a four. Oh wow. Okay. Fan of the sport, I don't know, some people say I don't know that much, so okay. And then they say, hey, name as many hockey players as you can in 20 seconds. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, um, Johnson Caves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, Brett Seabrook, Corey Crawford, Nicholas Jelmerson, Johnny Oduya, uh, Michael Roosevelt, Brian Bickle, Dave Boland, uh, Nick Foligno, Taylor Hall, Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, Connor Murphy, Seth Jones.
3: That was great. I,
1: I, I, there were some good names in there. Brian Bickle and uh, what was that, Roosevelt? Was that... Yeah, big Hawks fan. Yeah, most of the uh, 2010 or 2013 black watching that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, what is one change you would make to the NHL right now?
3: Um, I don't know.
1: I think it's pretty awesome. I don't really have a, a specific change. I love... Love the game, love where it's at, love the uh, love the players that are in the game, and it's, yeah, it's all good to me. An honest question. Do you think that the league rigged the draft in favor of the Chicago Blackhawks? No.
0: Are confident? Comp-
1: I'm very confident. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. The unrecognized general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks, Kyle from Chicago. That would be Kyle Davidson, the 35-year-old GM, who I would say, Bri, had himself a heck of a couple of days in Nashville. He was the true winner these last few days down there.
2: And he uh, turned 35 yesterday, so belated uh, happy birthday to the uh, young Hawks GM, who, by the way, looks like he could board a guy pretty well. Looks like he's been in the weight room while he's been waiting to select uh, Conor Bedard but yeah uh fun the the one change I would have made would be Commissioner, but he's not going to say that,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, you know what shrewd move by him not to go with the yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the obvious he, choice there,
2: especially if he rigged the draft for you, um which he didn't <laughs> um but yeah, i mean it, i i loved i love even questions uh to Luke Richardson, and we'll talk to mark uh a little bit uh before we get out of here, about you know, is Connor going to be on the team next year? <laughs> Well, it's pretty safe to say yes. I well, believe Luke, Luke said, I, I think that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah,
1: Connor's not going to go there with you. He has to make the team first, Bry. Uh, yeah. He mentioned Mark Lazarus. Mark Lazarus is going to join us next here. We'll uh, ask him about Connor Bedard and just how long Hawks fans are going to need to
3: wait before they are truly contenders. We'll do that in two short minutes here on ESPN 1000.